0: Climber, Demoing and pitching songs is not what it used to be. If you want to be a pro in today's music business, it sure helps to know how today's pro songwriters demo and pitch their songs. So that's what we're going to talk about today on The Climb. Johnny, do that thing you do. Welcome to
1: The Climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you Create leverage in the music business. Leverage is what you're going to need to get ahead. You've got to do it for yourself, but you don't need anybody's permission. You got to prove that your songs have value. You got to prove that people like your music and that people are coming to see you and that they're streaming to you, that, that you exist uh-huh. and your music is out there and that people are digging it. It's not about your talent. It's not about your potential. It's about what have you done for me lately? That's why we <laughs> called it the Klon. CLIMB, creating leverage in the music business. That's a backronym. It's brilliant. My good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who is an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. He's got hits in Southern Gospel, number ones. He's got top tens in Australia all in the last few years, making miracles happen. And he's helping songwriters like you Become pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then he connects you with the pros to advance your career because it's all about relationships at that point, baby. You can find Brent at songwritingpro.com. Once again, songwritingpro.com.
0: And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Yeah, it's like complicated, but Johnny knows all them big words. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other. Johnny D. Hey, buddy. Delightful. Hey, man. Good to see you. Delightful. to lovely
1: Mm-hmm. Delicious. <laughs> to, what, what's that song? <laughs>
0: uh, that that thing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that was, I've heard it before. It's been a minute, though. <laughs> man, I'm over the cold weather thing here at the end of March. Yes. Thought it was over, but like the villain at the end of a movie just brings back up one more time for one more jump scare, and you're like, good cold. Yeah, enough yeah. already with Thought the 20 it was degree
1: weather here. What the? Yeah,
0: it was snowing yesterday. Snowing. <laughs> That's not right. March is not 19th, right.
1: snowing. Like, what? No, yep. this is no. This is no Mother Nature.
0: Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but my, Mother Nature doesn't stop. And let me tell you what else doesn't stop. It's changes in Nashville. Changes in Nashville does not stop either. And that's, that's what we're, we're talking, talking about today. today. That is. You like that segue? I love that. It was, little, it was a little janky, but that's how we do things. So yeah, today what we're talking about is, so my buddy Steve Leslie, um, he wrote this article that just had a whole lot to do with changes in Nashville from like the 90s to now. And specifically this time we're going to focus in on demos and pitch meetings because it is not what it used to be. It's definitely changed significantly from the time I hit town. I hit town in 2002 and Steve hit town in like 92 and it's changed a lot since both of our times hitting town. So I just want to dive into that today. Let you, you know, just kind of so you can adapt, you know, let say you mentioned uh, off air a little while ago, something, you know, military, it's improvise, adapt and overcome. Yeah. Well, we have to adapt and overcome because things have changed. And we're going to dive into that today.
1: All right. I love it. Well, before we do that, let's take care of the business here. Join the Climb community. Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Climb community. Ask to be let in. We let everybody in, Mm -hmm. but we got to ask. You got to read three rules. Three. Hmm. Okay. And essentially, here's the breakdown. It's just like, put everything in its place. There's a post for where we want to hear about your gigs. There's a post where we want to hear about your new music. There's a post every week where we want to hear about your wins. Put all that stuff in there. Get a lot of love. Get a lot of support. If you put everything that's all you in the main feed, you're going to get roadhoused. What's the main feed for? That's for stuff that's for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Your gig time on your Raga, death metal, old school Country Fusion Band is Mm -hmm. not for everybody. Like,
0: (laughs) that goes in the gig section. (laughs) That goes on Thursday's Gig Alert. And we want to hear about that there, not in the main feed. That's right. But man, if you got anything
1: inspirational, if you got anything educational, if you got anything that is entertaining and would appeal to singers, songwriters, and indie artists, by all means, put it in the feed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I'll put funny stuff in there. i put crazy. i put inspirational stuff in there. I just did some the other day. I shared something that Janelle shared. I'm like, you need to put that in the climb community. She's like, I don't feel like I should. And I said, well, I'm gonna. So I did it. Nice. So anyway, let's talk about some wins.
0: Yes. So every Wednesday, we post the new heights segment in the climb community. You're welcome to post on that on any day as a comment under new heights, but it comes out on Wednesday mornings. So if you're looking for the new stuff, Wednesday mornings, but you're welcome to post as a comment there. Anytime, because it's always fun to celebrate wins, but it gets the most activity on Wednesday mornings. That's right. Uh, Let's see here. So just a couple. We don't have time for them all because there's just way too much winning going on. Taylor Hughes Music says, I've been nominated for two awards for the Appalachian Arts and Entertainment Awards. They are this weekend. So wish me luck. So by the time this comes out, hopefully we'll have a win that's already posted saying, I won And I swept both awards, and I'm super happy because I'm super Taylor Hughes. That's Taylor? Taylor Hughes, yes. So,
1: Taylor Hughes, congratulations. First of all, congratulations on the nomination, man. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's great, Taylor. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Marvin Adcock says, three songs were pitched yesterday to crucial music for a new television series coming out on Stars. It's a psychological thriller series called The Venery of Samantha Bird, starring Katherine Langford, who is best known for starring roles in Hannah Baker's 13 Reasons Why on Netflix and other prominent roles, including... Meg Thrombey on Knives Out, Leah Burke on Love, Simon, and Mara Carlisle in Spontaneous. And yeah, all these shows that I never watch. But Marvin, that's awesome. And I hope your song gets on TV. I would watch more if I had more music in TV shows and movies, possibly. Go Marvin. Go Marvin. Yeah. So good job, Marvin. Good job, Taylor. And uh, I have a little one to add. It just It was a fun week on, I guess, well, at the time of this recording, just on Friday, I got got an email from a buddy of mine from inside the studio where I was, a song of mine was being recorded by a bluegrass artist. Nice. And so can't talk about it much now, but uh, excited about that. I got some artwork from a Southern Gospel artist for a single that I'm supposed to have coming out. And I got confirmation from another one about, hey, your song goes to radio with us on... Well, by the time this comes out, hopefully. So, like, plus fun. Just little things popping up. So, nice. Man. Little
1: base hits. Little base hits here. Little base hits there.
0: Why do we like him? It's Moneyball, baby. Why do we like him? Because they get on base. He gets on base. That's right.
1: <laughs> that is some uh, Moneyball <laughs> quotes right there, guys. That's it. Like, you know, how do we get home runs? By getting them on exactly. base. You know what I mean? So, why do we like him? Because he gets on base. We're not buying plays. <laughs> we're buying
0: wins. And when we buy wins, we, it's because we, we're buying base hit we're buying getting on base right well
1: we're buying home runs that's how we get wins how do we get home runs by getting people on
0: base well actually home runs you're not really on base you well, no but mean, well. i mean i uh, mean points <laughs> <laughs> it's runs. But not home runs, runs yet
1: we uh, are buying point buying runs so buying how do we runs. buy runs you gotta yeah. get them on base first Can I get on my base? there it is mm-hmm. so good for you hey i gotta tell you something like on the side climbers want to hear this too so i'm working with ray hamilton yeah on placement pros on this new software thing that he has that is going to affect every songwriter and every artist out there Mm -hmm. that you're going to want to know about we'll have him on the podcast yeah he and i've talked about it yeah so this is cool now here's the other thing so he's going to do i mean this is just genius marketing right but it's i'm going to call it what it is but it only works because it's valuable to you right but to you too and i saw one of these like so there's gonna be upsell on this right like you get in with the software you're like oh i love this and then he's like check this out and what it is it's a weekly list of what shows are in production ah and who needs music and what kind of music that they need a sync tip sheet yeah Yes. and so he showed this to me and i was like what they're gonna make like a deadpool 3 didn't even know Oh, yeah. Hugh Jackman's in it. Wolverine's coming back, baby. Yeah. I I mean, dude, it's like, what the hell? I didn't even know this. But they're like, this is the kind of music they're looking for. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that. And his whole thing is built around like metadata artists. Make sure that you don't lose out on sync because you're missing mission critical metadata. Right. And it's like super, super, super inexpensive. Like you do it by song. Yeah. It's just it's brilliant. And you're going to be able to get your hands
0: on that, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. When Ray's ready to launch us, like, we're definitely going to have him on to talk about it. Because that is something that's so helpful. We're three or four meetings in, like, with
1: Ray, me, and his investor that's doing it. Mm-hmm. So we're close, man. Like, we're close. So That's great. But, yeah, I want you to, yeah, you need to know about that. Like, that's exciting. Yes. As you said. We all do. Brett needs to have more money on shows or more songs on shows.
0: I'm well, <laughs> working on that. I've, I have a couple things that I'll be coming up in movies. So, not like Deadpool 3 level that's movies. Awesome. But, like. It'd be like, I'm trying to think of a knockoff Deadpool name. It'd be like Death Puddle 14. Puddle of Death. Puddle of Death. Or the biopic of Puddle of Mud. Yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's the one song that's not theirs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, well, good job. Make sure you guys uh, follow or subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend about it, man. Spread it around. Let other people know how we're helping. Okay? Yeah. So talk to me about demos.
0: All right, so this is from my buddy Steve Leslie. He's, man, Grammy-nominator, Grammy-winning songwriter. He's just a lot of hits. He's had Cuts by George Strait, a lot of that Daryl Worley stuff that you know, like Tennessee River Run, Second Wind. Mm-hmm. Kenny Rogers cut He just he's awesome he's I was looking through a door straight like CD jacket today like looking for inspiration and stuff I forgot I was like oh there's Steve inside that door straight that's
1: so cool he he signed Abby Cone to a pub deal when she was 16 years old yeah she's now grown into a big machine artist and playing the CMAs on a main stage for the first time like very exciting for a former Daredevil artist I
0: love that Mm mm-hmm So, hey, Steve, if you're listening, appreciate you, buddy. So, all right. So, he did an article that was posted in Indie Music Academy. So, shout out to there. So, just there's a big, expansive article. And it's called, I believe it's called songwriting in Nashville, 1992 to 2023. So kind of a 30 year look at it. Super helpful. I broke it up. Like I'm going to get, so I text him like, can I turn this into like three podcasts? He's like, sure. I'm like, all right, I'll give you a shout out because it it just rang so true with me. I'm like, here we go. Good. He did all my show prep. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm pulling at Johnny. Here's an article. But anyway, so Steve moved to Nashville in 92, signed his first staff songwriting deal two years later with the EMI Music Publishing. At the time, there were over 30 record labels and 200 publishing companies, large and small, employing over 4,000 signed writers. Most of the ones Steve worked with at the time were like true songwriters, meaning not artist writers. And so we're going to dive into a typical 90s demo session. And really, this is very similar to the demo sessions that I had like at my first publishing deal and kind of through most of my pub deals in the early 2000s, like 2005 through 2007 when I was at Major Bob, like it was still really similar to what Steve says here. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of change mm-hmm. and then everything changed and we'll talk about it. So typical 90s demo session after getting the go ahead from your publisher, your co-writer and your co-writer's publisher, it was time to put together a session. So there's
1: only two writers in the room in the 90s.
0: Yeah, and, and typically in the '90s it was fifty-fifty rights, so you'd have two, mm-hmm. and then they would typically have a publisher. You would have a publisher, right? Because they're pros, and there's all these publishing deals out there, and so you can't just run out willy-nilly and go hire and do the whole demo process and spend money that you expect the other people to reimburse cover. Yeah, you got to get permission, and so that was typical. And, and I've had some that I wanted to demo something, and the other publisher was like, "Nah." I've had stuff that, I mean, my Joe Nichols cut crickets on his crickets album. <laughs> Nobody wanted to demo that. Like my co-writers were self-published, so they were cool with doing a demo. But I was published at the time. And my publisher was like, nah, we don't know what to do with it. I was like, you get it to Joe Nichols is what you do with it. And so yeah. they, we ended up doing a guitar vocal on it and still got it cut. But anyway, so you had to get permission. Got you cut your damn self. Yes. So you go back to
1: your pub company, like, how, about, how do you like them apples? And they're like, well,
0: take the money. Thank you. Yeah. So we'll recoup. We'll talk about that maybe next episode of mine. (laughs) But you had to get permission because they don't want to get a bill if they didn't have a chance to give permission first. So that's good policy there. That's right. So then for your session, you would select the best in quotes, meaning the most commercial four or five songs. Mm -hmm. So you're going through. And if you're at a publishing deal maybe you have your own session or maybe they're doing a an all skate session where they're putting together the best five songs out of all their writers that month or whatever or maybe you have your own session they're going through picking the best five or six steve songs the best five brent songs if it's a brent session so you go through all the work tapes all the stuff what are the five most commercial ones that we feel like we can have a best chance of getting cut making money right so you're not doing one everything and then you hire session leader to book the musicians and write the song charts so that's like the chord charts the arrangements the national number system all that good stuff so most songwriters didn't or couldn't write their own charts while some did play on their sessions mm-hmm. so say if we're going to do a session at larry beard studio we might hire larry to be the band leader mm-hmm. or if we're doing a session at somewhere else we might hire like billy panda to do it it's typically like the guitar player you send them the work tapes and they would just listen they chart the whole thing out they'd hire they'd bring you know you might tell them hey we want mike rojas on keys we want jimmy carter on bass we want you know whatever mm-hmm. or they just trust him to put it together yeah,
1: mike rojas and jimmy carter two people that played on josh roy's record <laughs>
0: mm. playing on a bunch of my demos they're good guys yeah so anyway so they'll put the band leader kind of wrangles all the cats
1: mm-hmm.
0: makes the charts makes the copies all that stuff. So you book a studio. So most sessions used music union players, Monday through Friday in three-hour blocks. So blocks started at 10, 2, and 6. Mm-hmm. So you got a four hours for a three-hour block. That way they can get trade out, get them out, get the next crew in, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So you could have up to three sessions in a day, and it's a three-hour block. And during that three-hour block, you would record four or five songs. Steve says he's gotten six before, and he knows one writer who typically got seven or eight, which is bonkers
1: it's amazing yeah it's what kind of machine these players are i mean you bring them in you guys so the the Nashville, real quick like the nashville charts are talking about their number system you haven't been in nashville if you don't know this it's like instead of writing out the score right instead of writing out the music on a staff
0: you're not writing. this is a g this is a g sharp this is an f flat major this is a e minor this is an a this is a c no
1: It's like here's the key. Keys and A. You got yeah one chord, two chords. So one chord B A, two chord B B minor, three chord B C minor, four chord would be D major, five chord B E major. Mm -hmm. And that way, when you bring a singer in, Mm -hmm. okay, your pro singer, and all of a sudden it's like ah, this isn't sounding right. Her sweet spot or his sweet spot be up a half step or down a half step. They just shift down the neck, and it's the same patterns.
0: Yeah, and so all they do is you know mark out the. G that was the key of G yeah just mark that out and write the new key at the top but nothing else at the all the ones and twos and whatever don't have to change
1: exactly it's all the same stuff it's amazing it's super freaking efficient it's, it's yeah it's,
0: it's awesome so the band leader that you hire he puts that all together and so, cause I've sat in with like Larry Beard while he's listening and yeah. just doing that thing. I'm like, that's amazing. Cause me as being non-musical, that's just like, how do you know that's a two or a G or a C or what D or whatever. It's, uh, it's awesome. It's magic.
1: Dude, me, me being musical, like it never gets old, even on like amateur song demos. Like you bring in a work tape of somebody singing into their iPhone, right? Acoustic vocal. hmm and we, maybe we play them some kind of like, uh, hey, we want this to go this route. Like, here's your North Star. Mm-hmm. And you play a little snippet from whatever, a Keith Urban song or something like this, the kind of feel we want. And then they go in, and y'all, they cut it in one take yeah
0: pretty much that's how, mean, that's how you
1: do that's how you do one song every half hour yeah is they pretty much cut it in one take the only time they'll start over is if you know what we did not like the tempo like it feels like it's dragging a little bit mm-hmm. or it feels, it feels like we're pushing it a little bit so let's just go back drop a couple of clicks but then they go and they hit it in one take and the bed tracks are laid down at one take and then they do another couple passes for keyboard player might jump from piano to b3 mm-hmm or Rhodes Piano or some guitar player. He's going to put on a different layer on that, but they're going to start stacking up the tracks. And Bob's your uncle, man. In half hour, you're freaking done, and you're on to the next one. It's astounding to watch. It's just...
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you start off, the whole band's in there, the writer's in there, maybe the publisher, and you're like, all right, and they'll play the work tape. And so everyone's just watching, making their own little notes on their stuff. And you might be like, hey, this is a vibe we're going for, kind of, a Dirks Bentley meets George Strait in an elevator kind of thing, or whatever, at a samba part, you know, whatever. And you tell them, like, all right, you know, you might even play a little something as a reference track going, we really like this Jason Alden guitar stuff. We want that kind of thing. Whatever. And yeah, they go in, and boom pass like yeah all the way through one pass and then then they'll start going back into an overdubs if somebody yeah like you said johnny wants to lay down a whole nother pass or a whole nother instrument they may play the song again but a lot of people are just going in and doing fixes after that first pass mm-hmm. unless there's something like one thing you just never do is go back well let's go listen to that whole thing yeah, You don't do that. Why? Because it's just as fast to go play it again. <laughs> just yeah. go play it again. Well, you heard it the first time. When you
1: say they do fixes, like the guitar will be like, hey, man, can you get me in on like the first bar of the second verse? Because they know they made yeah. a mistake right there. Yeah. And they're going to go fix it. Like they know exactly where they made a mistake. Yeah. And they go and they fix
0: it. Yeah, let me hit that bridge again. And so they'll go back and, and maybe if somebody... Like you said, the piano wants to, hey, let's do some B3 on this, too, or the guitar wants to lay down another thing. Maybe they'll run the whole song again, and then people will just pop in where they need to make fixes and stuff. It's super cool. Yeah.
1: Acoustic player will jump off and hop on a banjo or a ganjo, that kind of thing. Yep, Put the color instrument in there.
0: Yeah, that kind of stuff, because you have people that will do more than one instrument. And so, yeah, the math on that, if you're saying three hours, that's 180 minutes, five songs, that's 36 minutes a song. And that includes walking in there, getting, you know, the kind of the hustle and bustle at the beginning when you're saying hi to everybody and you're listening. So even if you knock that down to a little over 30 minutes a song, that's still listening to the song, which is like three minutes, getting in there, boom, going. It's amazing. It's like, wow, that happened fast. Yeah. And so typically what happens there is you'll have the scratch vocalist singing the scratch vocal, which is typically one of the songwriters. And it's like, we're not keeping this. So you might be out in the control room, just singing. Yep. Or you might be in a booth somewhere and you're just singing, and that's just so they know where the words go. Stunt vocal. It's stunt vocal. Yeah, basically. And so that's just amazing. It's like it runs really fast. So then after that, that's when you do the tracking. So that's majority of your instruments. Every once in a while you might have to hire something else brought in later, but typically, boom, that's all your instrumentation. So then you book the studio for overdub vocals. So that's when you unless you or your co-writer is a great singer, a demo singer is hired. So that's guys like Matt Dame. That's guys like Troy Johnson. Yeah, that's going to happen at a different time. Yeah, different time.
1: Because you got the whole studio full of the studio musicians, and they're just going to rock. Like I mean, like Buddy Hyatt's like one of the best in town, mm-hmm. and they're doing friggin' six songs every session. Yeah. They're doing six songs every three. They're doing one every half hour, and they might do 20 mm-hmm. or 30 in a day.
0: Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, you pick a different day for your singers, and it's great if your co-writer can do it, but a lot of times you'll end up hiring a pro, a dame, yep, Matt uh, Troy Johnson, a whoever it is. Troy
1: Johnson, yeah, who sang on our demo. I sang on a, Yeah, the concert.
0: Who's next? That's right. That's Troy on a demo uh, of a song that I wrote with Kenny Greenberg. But um, all right, if background vocals are needed, then the demo singer or background vocalist, we call them BGVs. BGV specialist is hired. So I remember having some stuff you might have, you know, we're doing a male lead. So we have Matt Dame sing and we need a female BGV. We'll bring in like Joanna Janay or Casey Bowles or whoever. Mm-hmm. They'll come in and then they just do the, the BGV. So that's at a separate time. And then you hire someone to mix the songs. Yep. And one to three weeks later, you pick up your session. And back then, Steve's saying it was on like Tape and then eventually moved to CD. You'd have your song. So after musician cost, studio space, engineer, demo singers, BGV singers, cartage. Cartage is instrument delivery. So you have these companies that show up and they roll in with the guitar cabinet and the drums and they do all that stuff. That's cartage. So the
1: yeah, like Lonnie Lonnie Wilson shows up and plays the drums. Maybe he adjusts a symbol.
0: Yeah, he doesn't set up his own drums.
1: But it's all been hauled there, set up for him. The way he likes it, mm-hmm. like like the card guy knows what he wants. Yeah. Everything's been tuned, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you talk about a frigging studio rock star.
0: Lonnie Wilson is a god among men. Like, (laughs) I mean, because you're not going to pay Lonnie Wilson to come in and set up his drum set. Yeah. Like that's just a dumb use of resource. That that is not his highest his point of highest contribution. You want him playing drum, whatever. Yeah. And so they have companies, cartridge companies. That way, they don't have to lug around all their gear because then they charge a lot more. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I'm rolling in. I'm hitting the cans and I'm going home. So there's cards, there's piano tuning, the final mix, all that together. You're looking at final costs from 800 to to $1,000 per song on demos. Mm-hmm. So not unusual. That was typical of my time in the early 2000s. So typically you and your co-writers publishing companies paid for half that and the rest was recoupable from any future earnings, meaning no out-of-pocket expenses for the songwriter. So basically you, you'd you be on the hook for, say, if you do five songs, $1,000 per song, that's $5,000. The co-writers say each song has two writers, you and somebody else. And so 2,500 of that is other publishers and other writers. They chunk that down. So your half is going to be 2,500 bucks out of that 1, 1,250. 20, yeah, 1,250 is recoupable, meaning it goes on your ledger going, hey, Brent owes us this much more that we're going to get back out of future royalties. Yep. And then the company, the publishing company, eats the other half. They, pay that so that's how that works so after picking up your session and listening to it 800 times you met with one or more song pluggers at your publishing company and the group listens for possible artist pitches based on the current who's looking list so you're talking about the ray hamilton like the sync pitches mm-hmm. i get tip sheets too we would get tip sheets at major bob at peer music at rpm these different places i've written and so i remember you get the session in All the pluggers I remember sitting with Jesse Frazier when he was a low man plugger and Scott shared and Mike Doyle and sitting in and go, let's listen to the new session. And I remember Mike scribbling on his legal pad going, look at all these people we could pitch these songs to like, this is awesome. And so they're keeping in mind who's looking and just listening to the new session. and Everybody's happy and going, all right, let's go hit the streets. Yep. So that is like a 90s and I'd say early mid 2000s demo session process
1: when they say hit the streets, they mean 16th and 17th Avenue.
0: <laughs> Music Row, baby. <laughs> one mile stretch, one-way streets.
1: Mm-hmm. That's Music Row. And He's oh, walking down yes. the street, down the block, and he could hit like five different publishing houses on the way. What's the, what's the beer place I'm thinking of that was right there on Music Row? It's still like on Music Row, just moved. You talking about Bobby's Idle Hour or? Yeah, Bobby's Idle Hour. And the way to Bobby's yeah. Idle Hour for lunch and a beer. <laughs>
0: yep. All right. So this is a typical... 2022 demo session according to Steve Leslie again my buddy that wrote this great article these days in a co-writing session one or more of the writers are often skilled track guys building the basic rhythm parts from the ground up like in the co-write you had a couple of acoustic guitars some convincing vocals and voila demo full sessions with live musicians still happen but it is uncommon because publishers save a boatload of money and new songs hit the street sometimes the same day Yeah. And that's it. (laughs) So, I mean, it's uh, I remember I was writing uh, this past week. I was writing with the new group Tulane Summer. They just they have their first single out right now. They're on wide open music. Mm -hmm. And uh, they wrote with my buddy John Marlin. And so Victoria Goodwin, my buddy, Aaron Goodwin's wife, she runs things over at wide open, the publishing side. And so she was kind enough to hook up that co-write with Tulane Summer. And she also was trying to get a producer in the room, a John Marlin. He was already booked or somebody that can basically run the pro tools rig in the room, start building a track as you're Mm writing because that saves money. We weren't able to get one. Mm -hmm. Everyone, it was crazy CRS week and everything else. So it was just me and Tulane summer. We, we got a heck of a song. They're fired up about it, but now we got to go, okay, now we got to go like record this sucker to make it to kind of present and kind of take that next level. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for a lot of it, I mean, I was writing with my buddy Wilkes, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, Wilkes and, Haley Benedict, who's an artist up in Canada, and we wrote. And Wilkes is a great singer, producer, instrumentalist, all that good stuff. And so it was on Zoom, so he wasn't building a track like in the room. But he went later, and he sent her these killer tracks with his vocal on it that, as a guide for her vocal, and it's going to cost like nothing. It, now, Wilk is investing time, yeah. extra time, but hopefully we'll get a cut out of it. It's really cool. Song. But he's got,
1: he's got a co-write, so he's got skin in the game.
0: Right. He has a co-write. So that's part of the value that he adds other... But, I mean, he has all of it because he's a good hang and great writer and mm-hmm. great producer and all that stuff. But you don't have to pay yeah. for a demo. Like, it's boom, it's there. Yeah. And so I've been in those rooms where somebody's building a track as you're riding, and now you're got this, you're starting to feel it. And by the end, you're laying down that vocal, and here we go. We're done. Turn it in. Yep. So that's the thing that happened a lot more for economic reasons also because you can run out and pitch it same day. So the technology has changed that. So if you can be that track person – that is a value you can add to the room, and it will help you get in rooms because it's definitely valuable. Yeah, does it save people money? That's
1: right. That's right. And keep in mind, it's a B two B product. Yep. The purpose of that, it's a demonstration of the song. It's you're selling the lyric, the melody, and the vibe mm-hmm. of the song. Yeah. They're going to re record it with the artist anyway. Yep. Yeah, they are. Where they will use a live band typically. Yeah. But yeah, man. I mean, phew, couldn't do that in '92. <laughs>
0: No, you could not. So that's that's the difference in, in demo session. Let's run on to pitching here. So Steve says, although I've been in a number of song pitch meetings back in the day, they're usually conducted by your plugger or someone at the label, or with someone at the label, the artist manager, the producer, or the artist himself. So this is what Steve says is the was a typical 90s song pitch meeting. Good morning, so-and-so. Can I get you anything? No, thank you. I'm just excited to play some hit songs for blah blah blah. First demo plays, verse one course stop. Second demo plays. Verse one, course, stop, third demo plays, verse one, course, verse two, course, stop, cool, let's put this one on hold, and a hold means don't play this for anyone else tonight. I can get a response from eventually the artist, right? Mm-hmm. I got basically it's dibs, they're calling dibs, yeah, fifth demo plays, verse one, course, stop. All right, thanks for coming in. I'll let you know what I find out. Yeah. So that's kind of the pitch me. You go in physically into the office, or maybe they come to you and you're playing these songs and they just, they hit stop. And typically they go, cool, cool, cool. Is a Nashville, no, by the way, yeah. <laughs> cool means not cool. So that's it. You kind of cycle through these songs and hopefully one gets on hold or they love it or they're going to pass it along to so-and-so. And that's kind of how it worked back in the day. Now, a typical 2022 song pitch meeting if you've written with the artist, the artist becomes your song plugger, depending on how many songs they're recording that day, which ones they, and the label like best and how much publishing on each song the artist has. You may get a call that your publisher that from your publisher, that so-and-so has recorded your song. Yeah. So the artist becomes the song plugger and then it goes, I hope it makes a record to let's hope the record comes out to, I hope it's a single at radio. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that was a thing like say with Tulane summer, just two super cool guys I was in the office and they kind of had their release schedule on the board and one's first one's already there. And now they're looking for to fill in the other slots. They have possibilities at the bottom, but they're still playing top this. Yeah, And so I wrote it with the guys and I'm not expecting to pitch it anywhere. I hope I don't have to. Right. I hope they love it and they cut it and they put it out and we never have to pitch it because they become the song plugger. Yeah. Same thing when I was writing with Kaylee Bishop this week or this past week, Mm -hmm. you know, she's an artist. We're writing for her. And just a lot of that stuff, writing for the artist. Now, there's some still writing with another co-writer just because we're going to pitch it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is that writing with the artist, and then you hope they cut it. I mean, that Haley Benedict stuff I just mentioned, Mm -hmm. I hope I don't have to pitch it. Yeah. Because I hope she cuts it and puts it out, and there we go. That's right. And so that's been kind of interesting as I've been writing with more artists, looking at stuff for publisher meetings or even stuff just to pitch some of the stuff that is pitchable. Man, I don't have as much of a catalog there. Because a bunch of these newer songs are tied up, kind of waiting on the artist to get back to me, which is cool. Hey, that's not a problem. Not complaining, but like, wow.
1: It's a, it's a better percentage shot, right? It's a higher it percentage is. shot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're in a smaller stack because a lot of the artists who write, and that's part of their artistry, what they're doing is they're picking from what's the best I've written versus what's the best I can find. You know, Or at least there's going to be a certain amount of stuff that they wrote on the record, even if they're also looking outside. But I'd rather be competing against the best songs they've written than competing against the best songs in town. I just like my odds better. I have songs that are duking it out and are competing against the best ones in town. But boy, writing with the artist, well, there's just many advantages to that. Mm -hmm. Because you can go, oh, I get to know you. Like writing with Haley the other day, I was able to throw out a line and she was like, Oh, you know me so well because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know her enough now like, oh, this thing. I know you love this art and made a reference to something that I know that she digs. And just because that comes from like, oh, we've written several times now. And like, OK, yeah, that's me. That's me. Like, OK, let's go. But that's the difference in song meetings is a lot of times you don't pitch as much because you hope the artist takes care of it and does it. And then what I'm finding for myself is instead of a song plugger, it's like a song reminder. That's <laughs> a squeaky wheel yeah of going hey do we need to get a demo on this thing just for yourself or your producer like do we want to go in and just kind of upgrade it so it it keeps reminding you about it or hey listen to our song again dang it's a banger whatever it is to kind of try and keep that thing and get another day on the books so you can write another song and have another crack at it is different than just we got these songs where we go in town with them although that does still happen but a lot of that stuff happens. The plugging happens on the front end. It's building the room that has a chance for something to win. So you got the artist, a producer, and a writer in a room together. That's what publishers these days are trying to build rooms. Uh, my friend Tim Hunzey, who's over at – I think he's over at Big Machine now publishing. Oh, really? Said, I'm like a calendar jockey. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm a calendar jockey these days. I mean, he said that a few years ago. Yeah. And it's true because you're working at building what's a good room where – i can get my guy or girl in that's super talented and i believe in but get them in a place where they can succeed get them in a room with an artist or a producer somebody who's like
1: i did with josh and you and jamie grooms
0: there we go i have a much better chance at that josh record and you and mackenzie yeah exactly it was like oh got an artist in the room and if we do our job today we got wins in both
1: of those rooms we got wins in both of those rooms and we get a banger with mckenzie like that's yes. probably gonna be the first single i think Woo! like it's probably gonna be the first release you know i don't like singles wait but josh it was a good one we'll see how the mix comes out but it just is really yeah it really worked and then we needed an opening song to open his show mm-hmm. and we got that it's just great we got it yeah perfect for the crowd response mm-hmm. it's all dialed in so it's just like yeah man like boy you're betting a thousand with me
0: well there we go there we go and that's the thing is more time spent building the room Mm -hmm. and i was writing with neil cody just last week at the time of recording this and we were supposed to write with an artist artist had to bail out because they had a photo shoot for their album that's coming up and so just like sorry apologies but so neil and i got together and uh, we tried to do a last minute hail mary grab a couple another artist or two we put out feelers Mm -hmm. just it makes sense but anyway short notice no one is able to join us and so we wrote for pitch and we thought about doing some song starts just to bring in some other artists later. But he got a text that day from someone he knows at Warner Brothers, like, hey, we're looking for stuff for Blake Shelton. I'm like, well, they ask. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we I got this idea and we try to write something that would not just Blake, but definitely would fit him, we feel like. And so it's at work tape stage. So we just need to follow up on that but it's like okay they're asking so it'll get a listen yep and blake's one of those guys that doesn't write so that makes sense you know we have an in we have the ears and we know he's going to cut outside stuff let's take a swing at that yeah and they can do you and we'll see what happens but hey if you want to check out steve leslie his stuff he's also a great songwriting teacher coach all that good stuff and just a good dude and a heck of a just, man, he's so talented. He's so good. You can find Steve at stevelesley.com. Keeps it simple. Steve Leslie.com. I appreciate You know, I know he appreciates the shout out and you'd go, drop by to say hi. He's a lot of cool stuff going on. He also puts out some records and stuff himself and leslie.com But another thing I have for you for sticking with us is I have a gift for you. It's called Six Simple Ways to Make Your Songs More Commercial. So if you want to figure out, hey, are these things worth demoing? Are these things worth pitching? Well, here's kind of a simple checklist that you can use on the back end to go, okay, are these commercial? Or use on the front end to help guide your writing so you write stuff that's more commercial and worth demoing and pitching. You can find it at six, the number six, dot simple ways at songwritingpro.com. Six dot simple ways at songwritingpro.com or you just go to songwritingpro.com and you see it all over there. It's hard to miss. And click on the link. Yeah. Just click on the link and just tell me where to send it. We send you the PDF and it'll help every song you write from here on out be just more dialed in commercially and help you on your journey. So that's it. That's what I got today.
1: Awesome. Well, that takes us to the end of another killer climb episode, guys. Make sure you follow the podcast, tell a friend about it, join the climb community. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing
0: and we'll see you at the top.